Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash kidmenrocks and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free audiobook today and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash kidmenrocks to get started today. Hey guys, thank you again for listening to the Kidmen Rocks podcast. My name is Jared Lilly and I am your host. Listen, if you're like me, your heroes are the people who have been involved in kids ministry for 20, 30, 40, 50 and on up years, impacting and serving kids and pointing them towards Christ. And if you're like me, you want to be one of those people who are doing children's ministry in their 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond. And today, our guest Trisha Peach, who is the author of three books, the most recent one titled Why We Quit. She addresses why ministers quit early and why they get out of ministry altogether. And so if you're like me and you want to equip yourself to go the distance and serve over the long haul, this is a conversation you need to hear. So I'm so excited for you to listen to the conversation we had when we sat down with Trisha on the other side of the break here in a moment. Thank you so much again for listening to the Kidman Rocks podcast. everybody. I am here with my good friend, Trisha Peach. Thank you, Trisha, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Now, you have just released your third book, yes. Why Pastors Quit. Um, and that is the third book. Your first was Children's Ministry from Scratch. Yes. The second was... Your children's children's ministry, ministry Beyond Basics. Beyond Basics. And now this book isn't necessarily... It is for children's pastors, but it's for anybody who's in ministry as well, because yes. more people than children's pastors quit. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so tell me um, a little bit about your experience from having been serving in children's ministry to where now you're you're speaking at conferences, you're consulting, you're writing books. Kind of bridge that gap for me a little bit. Oh, no problem. Great question. So I... I felt called into children's ministry at the age of eight. And from there on, I was working at learning what I could. I grew up in a very small church, home missions church of 100 people. And I ended up graduating North Central University with a degree in children's pastoral studies. And I went into ministry, I think eyes open because of growing up in a pastor's home. Mm. Uh I was a full-time children's pastor for 17 years, started with 15 kids, and at the end we were running over 600 on a Sunday. So we had huge growth, exponential growth. And then, of course, when you're running 600 children, you need a lot of volunteers. We had 276 volunteers, and people say, well, why did you need so many? Well, they're on a rotation. Right. So that they're on a rotation and four services on the weekend. You have to have great uh, management skills and people skills and the right people in place to be able to manage that level, that many volunteers. We also have four sites and I helped launch the kids ministry at two of the sites, three of the sites. So that was exciting. And I love doing that. Hey, I ended up with four people that were paid full time under me. Plus, we had interns. Right about that time, I really felt like I needed to write my first book. I'd always wanted to do that. And you know how you might start a little bit and then life happens. Mm-hmm. We oh, yeah. have another outreach after out. I mean, when you're a church that size, it's it never. There's never downtime. It's always go 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 go. Well, I thought, I really feel led to do this. One thing I'd noticed was that the same principles of children's ministry seemed to apply no matter where I went. Mm -hmm. I used the same principles of kids ministry when I would be guest coaching at a church of 100 that I was using at our home base where we have 600 kids or at a site church or because we had a site church in a mall, a site church in an elementary school, a site church in a theater. So it seemed like the same principles of kids ministry and of recruiting and keeping volunteers were the same across the board. So I said, all right, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write it. And so I wrote the first book. 
and I did not expect, um, maybe my faith was too small, but I, I sent out 20 letters to some of the children's pastors I respected the most, not expecting much of an answer and just kind of stealing myself for who are you go away. And instead I think, um, 18 of them sent me back a great recommendation to put on the book and they were very encouraging and they picked it up on their blogs. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll send it to some Bible college and it Bible college, it got picked up as a textbook in several Bible colleges. Well, then it started getting translated into other languages. And I believe the first one's now in 17 countries and wow. four languages, including it's in India, in two languages in India, where that's Muslim majority uh, nations. That's so exciting for me. That's, that's just, very exciting. I never, it's kind of like, here, God, here's my little loaves and fish. <laughs> what can you, and, and God's just doing what he does. Um, so then the second book was actually supposed to be, it was supposed to be one book, but it was too big. Right. Uh, so the editor was saying, this is ridiculous, Trish, it's too big of a book. He's like, so we split it in half and I released the second half in 2016, your children's ministry beyond basics. And about that time I left the staff position in good hands because I got busy I'm out of state about once a month doing conferences, training. Um, I speak also at churches, kids camps, kids programs. A good example would be um, not long ago, I did one in Mississippi. I did a training for their leaders all day on a Saturday. And then I spoke for the kids ministry two nights. And then I did a rally family service the last night. And it was really fun. So. I yeah, suppose. that's that's what I did, and that's what I'm still doing. I travel, and I speak, and I teach. That's awesome. So I suppose there's no way I can twist your arm enough to let me know who those two people were who didn't write you back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I will say one of them, and I completely understand this, one of mm. them that didn't at first did later – and his name rhymes with him, Lydeman. <laughs> and it's because he doesn't use Facebook Messenger. So he didn't, <laughs> you know, I was just putting it over Facebook and he's like, I didn't see it. So later he gave me a great, wonderful recommendation for it. And he actually put a wonderful recommendation in on this book that I have now. <laughs> but he's like, I'm sorry, I don't use Facebook Messenger. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So at least one of them has been forgiven. That's good. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, I got to tell you, um, if somebody's listening to this podcast, they may want to to buckle up a little bit. Because there's there's some emotion involved in this newer in this newer book. Um, me and you talked a little bit before we started recording. Um, but it it paints a very real picture of what life and ministry can be like sometimes. Um, and I think it's not even a terrible read um, for very involved lay lay leaders Agreed. just to know um, what kind of can happen and what can can go on. Um, but it, we talk, we're talking about why people quit, some of the challenges they face and, and how, and how they can power through those. Um, but I guess the basic place to start is why do pastors quit? That's an excellent question. And it's one that's been bugging me now for almost 20 years, well, longer than that. I remember, and I, I share this in the book, my first day as a freshman in Bible college, they sat us all in this big auditorium and they said, four out of five pastors don't make it past year five in ministry after graduation. Four out of five, 80% leave ministry forever and never come back. And of course, we're freshmen. We're like, well, that was them. We are here now. We have arrived. Right. Um, we're so awesome. You know, they always say, if you want to know anything, just ask a college freshman. They know everything. <laughs> so that was that was us. We're like, oh, you know, the ministry, uh, well, they say the cavalry has arrived. We are here. It was unfortunately, it was terribly true. Um, at least four out of five of those I graduated with are no longer in ministry. And I think that statistic has held true even now, because I graduated a little while back from my undergrad. 
So I thought, okay, I wonder why this is happening, the real reasons why. What we were told in college was, well, most of you will quit because uh, you took out too many student loans and you don't have enough money from ministry. And I remember thinking, that smells like some bull because... um, if you went into ministry for the big paycheck, you had the wrong guidance counselor. Right. I thought I, I this, something's not right here. Something doesn't seem right about that answer. So I decided for my master's degree, we had to pick a topic to research. And so what I picked was why pastors quit. Yeah why so there were surveys involved i had to do a literary review where you read everything ever written on that topic every study oh it's very involved and what i found it's what i suspected it money didn't even here i'm giving you a spoiler from the book money didn't even make one of the nine chapters Mm. It's true. Pastors aren't paid enough. It's absolutely true. Neither are public school teachers. They're not paid nearly as much as they should. Um, But pastors are not paid enough. That is true. Student loans can be a huge problem. But the, the key reasons, the top nine reasons, that's not it. The top nine reasons, that's what I suspected in some ways, um, poorly handled church conflict. And I'll just be blunt, people getting chewed up and spit out. Um, Another one was unrealistic expectations. They came in thinking, I'm going to preach and people are going to get saved and this is great. And they weren't expecting the other side of ministry, which can be, there's there's a lot of politics involved, red tape, and uh, things can get very ugly. You, yeah. you expect, well, it's a church. It's a church. Oh, yeah. But things can get extremely ugly. Um, I made the example in my book that we were interviewing to try to hire a new administrative assistant for me. So we were, my team, we were interviewing potential people. And this one girl, she was so sweet. She had a good resume. And I said, well, why do you want to work here? And she said, oh, I was so stressed at my last job. People were backbiting and saying nasty things about each other. And I just want to work at a church where everybody loves each other. And we just pray all day. (laughs) And it would be so, she didn't get the job. Not because we didn't like her, but because we thought she does not have a clue. And this is her church. We don't want to ruin it for her. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the, those rose-colored glasses were a big one. Not having the right expectations of what you're going into. Not having realistic expectations. Um, a big reason was not having a support system. Mm. Too many pastors do not have any real support system uh by that i mean do they have close friends outside of the church they can be completely and totally honest with are they close to their family sometimes when you're in ministry you move away from all your family so who are the people you lean on the ones in your church and then that can be awkward some of the things you want to talk to with them you need that support structure you have to have it or you do burn out and very quickly. That's a big one. Uh, pastors tend to have a lot more health problems than the general population. They have three times the diabetes level of the general population, three times the heart attack level. Wow. I think it's because of the high stress, sedentary position, lots of potlucks. Right. You know, we. We don't take care of ourselves very well. Another big reason a lot of pastors quit is burnout, but you got to drill down on that a little bit. You just say burnout. What does that mean? Right. Most of the time, burnout doesn't happen when you are doing what you love to do and what you're called to do. Right. Burnout. If you just had an awesome service and 10 people came to Christ and you exceeded all expectations, you're not like, I'm burned out. I quit. <laughs> no, it's yeah. it's typically you are doing the things you weren't called to do. You're stuck doing the things that you that don't excite you, that you didn't expect you'd have to be doing. Yeah. And pastors are also one of the worst for not taking their vacation days. Right. 
It was something like 80% of the pastors I surveyed did not take even half their vacation days last year. Wow. They don't take uh, one day off a week. They don't take any kind of a Sabbath. They don't take, I feel like somebody's going to get convicted listening to this right now. Pastors don't take their vacation days usually, and they don't take their Sabbath. They, it's kind of like we throw ourselves off the top of the temple and ask the angels to catch us before we hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, I, know, I know someone who's really smart who opted not to do that. <laughs> it's so hard a lot of the pastors i talked to said well every time i leave town there's a crisis and kind of what i i try to talk to them about and train them with is you have to have a church that can exist at least a few days without you (laughs) absolutely yeah because one of the very best things i ever heard on this is every single ministry position is temporary yeah very few, like less than 0.002% get to stay longer than 20 years. But even then, it's still temporary. You're right. always in a temporary position. And if that church can't function two seconds without you, you're setting it up to fail. Yeah, You're setting it up to have to close the doors. And also, somebody said taking a day off, taking your vacation days is showing faith in the power of God. That God's still on the throne, not you, and he knows what he's doing. That's good. That's really I was good. like, well, ouch, because I was a bad one about that. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know <clears throat> particularly people who listen to podcasts, oftentimes I'll listen to podcasts because they don't feel they have time to stop and read, and it's something they can do while they're working and doing something else. So if that's you listening right now, <laughs> take a day off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. And I always get the excuses. Oh, you don't understand. You don't understand. Um, And I usually think, oh, tell me about it. Tell me about it. We've got a massive church, four services. I've got a husband. I've got kids. Emergencies happen. It's hard work. It sounds counterintuitive, but it's hard work to take a day off. Yeah. But you can do it. Yeah. It can be done. And sometimes the, the, the reasons you've mentioned so far overlap that sometimes the hesitancy in taking a day off isn't even necessarily on maybe a staff pastor, but it's the pastor source Rex that's going to chew them out for taking the time that they're supposed to have. Oh, that just opens a whole nother can of worms. And I know somebody listening now will completely understand this. There are unhealthy staff situations out there Mm. that like you said the staff pastors trying to take that time off to be with their spouse and their children and as you said pastor soros rex and they may be thinking hey my kids are grown and gone my whole life is here now my whole entire world is here now so you can do it too Mm mm-hmm but just because someone else is so unhealthy doesn't mean that you need to be that unhealthy as well. It's it's a hard balance. It's a very hard balance. And I do think that's another huge reason that pastors quit is if they have been in one or more extremely unhealthy staff situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say it, it can move into a very abusive Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to drill down a little bit um, because I think of all all the reasons if and you may feel different. You're the one that wrote the book. So feel free to correct me. Uh, Literally, you wrote the book on this. (laughs) (laughs) But as I'm reading through as I'm reading through your book, I'm thinking, man, if people could just have the the family support, the friend, the friendship, the network that lifts them up. If anything's going to help you power through the rest of it, it's it's that one. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a huge, huge piece. And that actually can include, again, I'm just going to be blunt, a trained counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, a trained pastor's like, oh, I can't go. Counsel-. No, it may be a thing where you have a trained counselor because that's somebody that'll keep things confidential and you can talk to and lay it all out there. It could be your family, your close family, 
friends, I really highly encourage a few friendships outside of the church, uh, a mentor that is above you, helping you take that next step up. And then somebody that you are mentoring, Mm. um, to add to that, I would say in the, in all the studies I read, the pastors that made it for the long haul were the ones that spent time in what they called spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. uh, meaning in prayer and studying scripture and having a time or two where they go to worship as well. I know I'm going to step on some toes here because right away pastors get all defensive and say, you don't understand, I can't. Yes, you can. It's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and for pastors, it can be very hard to go to a service you're not in control of. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and to turn that off and say, oh, OK, yeah, that light is wrong. Oh, they shouldn't have that strobe going. The sound is wrong over here. And to turn that off and focus on on him. The issue is spending time in ministry is not the same as spending time with God, waiting on God and listening to Mm -hmm. Christ and being filled. So I always say, now we, we had four services a week, so at least 12 services a month. So at least once a month, I would go to service and just be filled. Right. That's good. Or, you know, at another church nearby that had one when we weren't. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was hard and it was a lot of work, but it was so beneficial to me. Yeah, I remember making the foolish statement to my wife. Um, we, I was married in full-time ministry at 21. And, you know, we were trying to do things right and pray together and read the Bible together. But sometimes I just, I wasn't feeling it. And um, this is this is a, this is my confession. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one time I... <laughs> I don't remember the circumstances completely, but I'm sure once she hears this, she'll quickly remind me. Um, <laughs> but there was something she wanted to read or something she wanted to do. Um, it might have been devotional, maybe been passage of scripture or whatever. And I tried to lean on my job as a reason to not want to do it. Um, foolishly, I remember going like, well, you know, I have the opportunity to read at the office. And so I did that there. And, you know, by the time I get here, I'm just ready to, you know, whatever dumb 21 year old thing I, it was that I, want, I wanted to do. <laughs> but that, but that is, it's very, very important that, you know, like I said, spending time, I have, I remember, let me backtrack. I remember working on staff with two pastors, both who were incredibly smart, incredibly wise. Um, and I, I still think they disagree. Um, but one pastor would come in early, find a spot in the sanctuary and he would do a devotion and pray and read there. That's all well and good. It was outside of his, office work. Um, but the other pastor would come in and say, no, 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 no. He said, you've got to have your time at home before you even leave the house. This doesn't even get to count. And that was always there because he felt so strongly that he needed that level of separation oh. from his job that, no, I need my time with God, with God to start at home. You know, if I, if I, if I get ready and drive in, I've already, I've already missed it. Okay. Gotcha. Now see, I would probably be able to concentrate better in the sanctuary if no one else is there. I could block it out because if I'm home, this is just me. If I'm home, I'm like, oh, those dishes need to be done. Oh, that laundry has to be folded. Oh, did I pay that? I got to pay that bill. If I'm in the sanctuary, I can block some of that out. But I can see what both of them are saying. Though I did have one pastor, this was many, many years ago, who told the staff, no, we don't pay you to pray at church. So you do your praying at home. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that, (laughs) yeah, man, that pastor source. Yes. Um, But what I love about that, though, is the heart was the same, was to have that separate time with God that wasn't ministry prep. Now, how the outflow of that came about was a little different um, in both of them. And I, I don't think God preferred one over the other. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's good. That's very, very important. So what do you say to somebody? And this isn't something, you know, I necessarily prepped you for, but I'm curious what your take is, you know, you, you do a really good job in your book of helping people identify some of the reasons that people quit and then equipping them to, to fight against those reasons. But what do you say to the person that says, you know, because I've quit, you know, and and gone on to new positions and 
in that time, I remember trying to walk the line of, okay, at what point do is it I need to put my heels in the sand and stay and do all these things she should listed, and at what point do I? No, I need to. I need to leave. Now, there's something to be said about prayer. Um, yes. So I want to take. I want you to say that, but also want to take that answer away from you a little bit and have you dig a little bit deeper. But wh- how do you navigate that? Oh, that is such an incredible question. That's such an incredible question. And I want to clarify that with the title of the book, "Why We Quit." What I'm talking about there is walking away from ministry. Period where you're never going to come back to any position of ministry again. Mm-hmm. So that would be that four out of five. They they go and they don't go to any other church. They're just done. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about leaving one and looking at going to another ministry position, this is crucial because this is the number one time that pastors drop out of ministry. Mm-hmm. This is the number one time. Transitions are difficult. Transitions are so much change that -hmm. you really want to be careful with that. And some ways that I have found, you know, I I remember I was newer in ministry and, you know, you'd go to older ministers and say, how do I know it's time to go? You know, Mm -hmm. and you're not wanting them to say, well, just pray about it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, One of the older pastors, this answer irritated me too. But I get now kind of what he was saying. So it's like, how do you know? And he said, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. And I thought about that, like, well, that's, that's a dumb answer. And then I <laughs> thought, okay, there, there does have to be a realization point where you go, this is not a healthy situation. But there are some really key things that you need to look for if God is truly calling you out of a church. And the way I look at it is you shouldn't ever leave lightly, but -hmm. you do need to remember that God's calling and gifts are irrevocable. He's calling you, and the chances are very slim that it's to one church forever. So if God's calling you out, he's going to make it clear. The problem is if you're like me— God really has to about bop you upside the head and pry your fingers because I don't want to let go. Yeah. Uh, some of the ways that you usually know it, time is up for me is my vision for the upcoming years just suddenly is gone. Mm. Because usually I can sit down and crank out you know, the next two years, this is what our topics are going to be for the next two years. Or this is the great big uh, outreach I want to have for Christmas. Yay. And there would, it would just keep coming and I would, it would flow Mm -hmm. onto the page. And all of a sudden it felt sudden, like turning off a garden hose. There's just nothing. I sitting there staring at a blank page trying to push and force through and nothing nothing's coming no plan no vision um that's a that's a big one when you suddenly are having trouble making any plans beyond the next month or two that's not a good sign two if you are going home crying more days than not very bad sign you're probably gonna have to get out of there right um Three, if you're sitting around daydreaming about being in ministry at a different church, I mean, it's one thing all of us are like, I'll fill in for Francis Chan this week, you know, but (laughs) I think if you're always constantly imagining you are anywhere but there, that's a very bad sign. Because when you, when God's called you to a church, it's kind of like a, a mantle, you know, an anointing. You, you have a vision for that place. And even when it gets horrible, even when it's awful and it, it, it's breaking your heart and it's tragic and it's terrible, still you have that vision and somehow you push through. I have had times where I walk into a meeting and in that moment, I literally, I can't explain it, but I'm sure somebody out there will know what this is, where I literally felt it lift. Yeah. And two separate occasions, I I can remember where we were in this meeting and I'd been in this heaviness and sadness and this felt like a, 
Uh, and then when it lifted, it, it did feel like a death. But then when I walked out of that meeting, the whole building literally looked different to me. Mm. Everything had changed because I realized, all right, it's lifted for here. I need to move on. I'm going yeah. to have to move on to what God has for me next. And it was sad and you grieve. But I knew at that point, I need to, I need to go. Um, the very first place I was ever at, I remember I was praying and begging God even after this had happened. And I remember God saying to me, if I grant your request, you're going to stay here, but your ministry won't be blessed. It's going to dry up and die. You'll get to sit here and watch it dry up and die. Mm. And I went, okay, God, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to do what you, I'll go where you want me to go. I don't want, I don't want that. So, um, it's hard. It's grieving. I write about that in the book because if you're not in ministry, you don't understand. You can't understand. It's not just a job. It literally is your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk about that in the book, the, the problem of what they call enmeshment. Enmeshment is where your whole entire life, your identity, your income, many times, your um, network of friends, your support system, your place of worship, your kids' place of worship, all your kids' activities, Mm -hmm. all of these things and more are all meshed up in the one church you're at. So when you leave that church... You have to literally uproot and start completely over. Yeah. Like if my husband changed jobs right now, he's an IT guy. If he did, he's, he loves his job, but if he switched, it'd be to probably another company right here nearby. We wouldn't, we wouldn't change houses. Our kids wouldn't change schools. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd still be going to the same church, still worshiping at our same church. Whereas when I left a ministry position and switched to another church, that was part of the grief was watching my children's grief. Yeah. At losing their kids' church and all their friends that they had there and their activities through the church and all of those things that are part of daily life just turned on their head. Yeah. And having to start over somewhere else. It's... It's brutal, and I don't think you can understand it unless you've lived it. Yeah, we're on the uh, we're seven months <laughs> into a transition in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved away from our 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 blood family as well, and the hardest part I remember there was a lot of stress involved with it. And you know, thankfully, I think we're in a really healthy place. I I don't I'm not struggling with any of the reasons mentioned in your book as we speak. Praise God. But I, <laughs> I remember. My daughter, our, our house has a swing set in the backyard, and my wife had two weeks where she was at home before she started her job. And I remember her pushing an empty swing, pretending the names of her daycare class were, like, on the swing. <laughs> like, oh, call it, my goodness. Um, you you oh. want to talk about tough. <laughs> you know, like, oh, oh it, it was hard. But I, I will say I'm glad you made the distinction about quitting ministry altogether versus quitting a ministry position. Um, because oftentimes I feel like people, particularly people who maybe have had another, another role, another full-time job before they start full-time children's ministry or, or ministry in general, they come into that bad situation and they, what, for what any of the number of the reasons, namely start with the rose colored glasses, but because of lack of support or casualty or, um, not, uh, poor um, conflict resolution, or I had an issue with a pastor who was taking money that he maybe shouldn't have, or what have you. And they say, if this is what ministry is, I don't want to have any part of it. Yep. <laughs> and and so they give it the one go, and they go, nope, I was better off in corporate America. And then they then they take off. Mm-hmm. You hit the nail on the head. That is what happens the majority of times when someone leaves ministry forever. <laughs> is they go through an incident like you're describing and pastors have, there's, there's a certain personality type that is usually 
in ministry. That is a ministry personality type. And that same personality type has happens to have a high sense of justice. Mm-hmm. They want to see things be just. They want to see them work out. And that works great when you're fighting for those who are downtrodden, when you are, you know, you are getting the message of Jesus out. You don't go into ministry usually because you hate people. You go right. into ministry because you love people. Then something like, you know, very unjust happens. And then you think, okay, well, we're going to appeal this to, say, a sectional or a district or whichever, you know, in your denomination. And then if that doesn't set it straight, there's usually a shock of this is still unjust. Right. This is still not right. This is still unjust. And they keep waiting. And unfortunately, sometimes this can even lead to where was God? Yeah. You know, I was there. God called me there. God was supposed to set this straight and vindicate me. And what happens, too, is our identity is so wrapped up in our position that when the position isn't there, like, oh, so I guess I'm not called anymore. Or am I still a Christian? Right. Which I think the enemy does that, comes in and attacks and look at this, look what you did, look what you, you got to remember how many, how many synagogues was Paul thrown out of? Multiple, multiple (laughs) synagogues. He got thrown out of a bunch of them. There were several churches that gave him fits and yet his calling was the same. Sometimes Mm -hmm. he made tents so he could keep preaching. Yeah. So what do you say to the person who, you know, they're listening and you know, they've identified with one of the reasons that you've that you've mentioned. And, you know, they're listening. They're going, you know what? That's me. That's that's what I'm going through right now. That's what I'm dealing with. But I'm, I'm still standing here on the edge. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I still might quit. What do you say to that person? I always say you need to get that support structure around you. And I realize if it's if it's something like that where you're on the edge of leaving, it may not be within the church. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got a really good uh, relationship with your lead pastor and and that's not the issue, then I do suggest you talk to him about it and just be honest. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'll have I, I've had many, many, many pastors call me through the years and say, you know, my senior pastor doesn't get it. And that's it. I'm quitting. I'm leaving. And they'll just turn in their resignation, and it always says the same thing. God has called me on. Well, we know that, but that's just that's that's the bupkis answer we give when we don't want to say what it was. And the senior pastor then may have no idea. I had one church I was consulting with that three children's pastors left in a row. No one could figure out why. And the fourth one finally said, it's this one woman who is mean and nasty and calls me names and calls my children names and I can't take it anymore. And it ended up that one woman was the reason the other three left, but they didn't want to say. So they just said, Oh God called me on. So if you have a good relationship with your lead pastor, I would say, be honest, be honest before it's too late. That's right. Because usually, I mean, as as ministers, usually when people would come to me for marriage counseling, it was about five miles past too late. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time, one of them already moved out and filed for divorce and they hate each other. And now they just now come in and explain the situation. And I always said, this was my way of thinking of it was, I don't want to be sitting there at 89 thinking, what if? Yeah. What if I'd been honest that this is what I'm struggling with? Every single church that I have worked at, which is, I think, four is ones I've been on staff at. And I said to each when things were, I would say, this is what I am dealing with. And um, this is a change that I can't live with. And if we go down this road, I'm not going to be able to stay. And Mm -hmm. my dad always said, don't have a lot of altars you're willing to die on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very few, very, very few. Yeah. Um, One was making the decision to cut all kids worship and kids altar times feeling that they were emotional manipulation. I of course disagree. (laughs) So (laughs) Uh, and I made my appeal, but then 
respectfully, I'm resigning, I'm leaving, I'm going to go to where God has called me next. So these kinds of things happen. And I wanted to make sure I was honest and didn't just, I've never been one that's like a two-year-old, that's it, I leave and stomp out. And they were like, what happened? What's wrong with her? (laughs) Right, yeah. Uh, Did she have a bad sandwich today? What was it? No, you never leave lightly. But I will say, if it is a situation where you have tried and tried and tried, you've been Mm -hmm. honest, you've tried and tried, and you know God's calling you elsewhere, and the problem's more with the senior leadership you may have to get your ducks in a row before you talk to them. So that's yeah. where godly wisdom comes in. Because mm-hmm. we had one pastor that if he knew, if he knew you were even looking, if he oh, knew, yeah. you're done the same day. You're done with nowhere to go, income cut off. So each staff person would make sure they had something lined up before they said yeah. anything to him. Um, now, luckily, I only had one like that. Um, most of the people I've worked for all those years were fantastic. I've had different supervisors, different pastors, and they've all been phenomenal. But then you get that one in there. That's, uh, uh, like you said, pastor Zilla, um, that, and I will say too, I really feel like I should say this, that there are cases where when it does become just really, really abusive, that is not... I've heard pastors say, well, I'm more Christ-like if I just keep putting up with it. And that's something we perpetuate in the church, but that doesn't make the situation any better, and it doesn't teach that person any better. So you have to have some boundaries up. I'm just saying, for example, um, one pastor was telling me that he was on staff and the pastor's wife made comments about his weight almost daily. Mm telling him he should take the stairs once in a while and learn to push his plate back. And I didn't even think he was like really overweight, but the Mm -hmm. constant comments about his weight just about destroyed his self-esteem. I would say so. And it, to his credit, he did mention it. He talked to the senior leadership about it. They were not, seeing it as a problem and it kept continuing and he ended up leaving that position. But he said, even being there six months, it took him a year to try to get even a little bit of confidence back. Yeah. So I want to, I want to change directions just a little bit. Sure. Um, Cause there are, I feel someone could listen to this and there are times and, and quitting almost sounds uh, maybe appealing. Like, Yes. You, you're right. Maybe I. Maybe you're right because they f- have faced one injustice or another, um, and maybe, like I said, corporate America sounds nice or another position sounds nice. Um, but and you touch on this in your book. Um, there, there's power in staying, though. There, there's something about staying power. To, to talk about that a little bit for me. Yes. Uh, again, a lot of the research in the book shows that you have to be at one position at least three years to affect any real change. So because our culture wants things immediately, we'll Mm -hmm. be there three months and go, well, it's not working. It's too Mm -hmm. late. Like Andy Stanley says, your, your church is not a canoe. It's not going to whoop, 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 whoop. It's more like the queen Mary. And you have to be there at least three years to make any real significant change, at least on average. The scary part of that is the average stay for a youth pastor is 18 months. Right, yeah. Right? And for some churches, that's the norm. They're going through them like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. Well, they're they're just going to keep they're not going to make any effective lasting change except detrimental change to the kids that are in those ministries. Um, One of the churches I was at, I was the eighth children's pastor in eight years. Wow. And I had a dad who wouldn't let his kid come to kids church. And he said, I'm not going to put her through that anymore. You'll be gone in eight months anyway. And I said to him, just because you said that, I'm going to outlast you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I remember. I did, but still. 
I remember when I first started as my first full-time role, it was the one um, I mentioned earlier. I was there for a number of years and was the hardest to let go of. Um, but I remember my first Sunday in kids' church, you know, I was letting people ask questions about me. And one kid raised his hand and said, are you going to leave in a year like the last guy? Oh, you know, oh. Man, like, and I, at that point, I was still I was 21, and I still kind of had the rose-colored glasses a little bit, and I was yes. like, who would ever leave? This is amazing. You this know? is the best job ever. Yeah, but there's something about that staying power where, yeah, maybe if you stay 18 months, you might get to see a kid get saved. Um, but when you're, when you're there for a while, you get to see that kid, you know, maybe get baptized, start to enter ministry in themselves. You get to see more of your good qualities replicated in them because you get to continue that discipleship, uh, with them. Um, the, the best is when, is when you've been there four, five, six, seven, however many long years. Yes, I completely agree. And at that point, when you've been there five, six, seven years, the team that you have at that point is nobody else's fault. It's the <laughs> team at that point that you have raised and trained. Uh, and that's cool, too, because they know you. They really get your vision at that point. They know what you're about. They know what God's calling you to do. That's just it's like a family. Mm-hmm. I love a ministry team family because they're so close. It's amazing. Yeah, you're right about that. And I would say to someone considering, like, I just want to walk away from ministry forever. I would say that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Absolutely. And a human being didn't call you, so a human being can't uncall you. Right. So when God called you at that youth camp or wherever you were, he didn't turn around and to your senior pastor and say, is that okay with you? Are you all right with that? No, it was, he called you, he gifted you. And I wouldn't want to get swallowed by a whale. Yeah. It seems like to me, to me, the hardest people to have in your congregation are those that are called to ministry and aren't doing any ministry at all. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like on a pastoral staff even because sometimes God is giving you something different. Like I travel and I teach and I write now. Um, but I've seen people go into different types of ministry. It's when they're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm yeah. going to work at Home Depot. Nothing wrong with Home Depot. I'm just saying when they're called to ministry. Interestingly, my grandfather had been a pastor for 40 some years. And when he retired, he went to this church that was on the Church of God campground in Texas, Weatherford, Texas. And this whole campground church was nothing but retired pastors. And he said it was the worst, most horrible church you could possibly ever imagine. And they couldn't get anybody wanting to pastor it because you had a couple hundred retired pastors who all knew better how that should have been preached. They all did not like your song lineup. They all are completely unhappy with how you dressed this morning because you had it doesn't matter that they're all in their 70s. They're all still called the ministry. Right. Yeah. They're all still called to be in ministry, like retirement's something we made up. That's not in the Bible. Right. So yeah. I, I think retirement's great, but you, you don't get to retire from ministry till God told you to. Right. <laughs> Your retirement from ministry looks a little bit different. It's, yes. It involves a box and a hole in the ground. Yeah. Yes, pretty much, <laughs> yes. So I think ministry changes but it's not defined by being on staff at one church. And some people think, well, God called me. So if I leave this church, I'm disobeying God. Not necessarily. You may be disobeying God by hanging on there way longer than you should have. But that comes, God give me discernment to help me see the signs that this is not working anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, That that this isn't going to go forward. Give yourself time to grieve. Don't fall into the fallacy that I have to jump into something in two seconds or I'll never be in ministry again. Right. Not true. No, you need to give yourself enough time to grieve process that a little bit. And when you're ready, God will let you know and make that door very, very clear. Yeah. Well, that's real good. Well, listen, if, if somebody is listening and they are considering, um, leaving ministry altogether or even considering, 
um, leaving a current position. Um, they they need your book. It is they need it. It's really good, really well written. And I I told you before we start recording, it hits you on an emotional level. You know something you you may not be prepared for. I'm letting you know your your heart's gonna get checked a little bit when you start reading it, and and that's a good thing. But where where can somebody pick up the book? Where can they follow you? Um, and keep up with what you're doing in your ministry. Awesome, awesome. And and I'll make sure probably that I can put that, I'll send that all to you as well so that you have that. But uh, if you go to kidman.ninja, kidman.ninja, I know you knew that, Jared, yep. <laughs> kidman.ninja. Um, that's funny. He went to register that and I'd registered that one. She beat um, me to it. Yeah, great minds think alike. <laughs> Uh, Kidman.ninja shows what my speaking uh, lineup is and how you can bring me into your church to do trainings and teachings or kids camps, kids shows, things like that. Um, But it also has on there where you can get the book. The book is also at Amazon, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, probably more Barnes and Noble online because it's so new. Mm-hmm. It will end up in the stores, but right now it is so new. It's going to be on their online. So it's called Why We Quit. Why We Quit. Um, on Facebook, it's Pastor Trisha, T-R-I-S-H-A. And I have a web, I have a site on Facebook, too, called Your Children's Ministry from Scratch, which is my first book, which I used mm-hmm. to talk about the books. Mm-hmm. So I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm there. Pinterest. <laughs> Yeah, you, you have a blog too, correct? Yes, yes. My blog is called Peach Tea. Peach Tea on uh, WordPress. Very, yes, very and good. that comes out every week. And I have a show on YouTube called The Peach Buzz. And The Peach Buzz is ministry topics. I think anybody in ministry would love it. I teach ventriloquism. I teach puppet voices. We talk about ministry topics every week. It comes out every Friday. So subscribe. Yeah, and very good. And if you're and if you're interested in the book, I believe your most recent blog post. Um, well, at this point, not the time of recording, but there is a blog post um, that has an excerpt from the book. Um, yes. So they can go yes. there, check that out. Um, uh, is there anything you like to say that maybe we didn't touch on? Just some encouragement as we as we sign off. We love you. The same God who called you still has plans for you. You did not screw up God's plans for your life. You're not that powerful. I would say the divisions that you go through, that's not your fault. It happens. And God is going to bring you out into something you can't possibly imagine. Keep keep hanging on to him and trusting him. It may not be how you pictured it, but yeah. it's absolutely how he pictured it. That's so good. Trisha, thank you so, so, so much. Thank you for having me. This is great. Support for the Kidman Rocks podcast comes from leadvolunteers.com. Lead Volunteers changes volunteer pains into ministry gains. This comprehensive course teaches a proven method to recruit, train, and retain volunteers in a ministry context. Lead Volunteers provides over 70 videos, three leader books with over 130 pages and over 100 downloads for instant implementation. I'm so thankful that Lead Volunteers is a partner of the Kidman Rocks podcast. I was planning to talk about them a lot anyway. So do yourself a favor, go to kidmen.rocks slash lead volunteers, download three free videos and see what I'm talking about and see the way it changes your approach to volunteers. Thanks. And we'll see you in two weeks.